a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Hi, Chris, and it's great to be back on Birth, Baby and Beyond. This series is all to sort of help the dads, grandfathers, uncles, um, man parents, whatever <laughs> we we want to call everyone. It's just to help and give some guidance that I don't think there's enough of, really. Man, um, man, childs, I call us because we're, oh. we're 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 men, but we're we're quite ignorant and immature in the no. ways of womanhood and pregnancy. You know what I call it? You're uncomplicated. Do you know I've spent all my life, Kath, feeling very complex and, you know, sophisticated <laughs> and hard to read. And you've just reduced me in one sentence to say, no, you're really uncomplicated. In the nicest possible way. <laughs> so last episode, Kath, we, we looked at the whole nine months of pregnancy and all the changes men can expect to observe in their partner's body and in their partner's mood. This episode, we want to drill down on what men can actually do on a practical Mm -hmm. level, to make those nine months as easy as possible for the mother of the child. I don't think any man really understands the roller coaster that their partner goes through during the nine months because it is a roller coaster, isn't it? It's a roller coaster without a seatbelt, you know, and (laughs) you're just like... There are times when, as women, we feel really irrational and hormonal and, and emotional. With pregnancy, it's... You're trying hard to get pregnant and then you have this terrible morning sickness in most cases, not everyone. So you're anxious about the, the being nausea and vomiting and worrying about your baby and trying to be happy because other people are happy and you feel shocking. And then all of a sudden the morning sickness goes and then you're worried that it's gone. And mm. you're like, my goodness, why is it gone? Is, is anything, everything wrong with the baby? And why aren't I feeling sick anymore? So it's just... Every day is a challenge some, for a lot of women during pregnancy. And I think men try very hard to respond with as much love and support. And sometimes you may not say the right thing. And In my case, know. almost certainly will say the wrong thing. But <laughs> well, I think every man is the same. I, I, the think, same. I think if, if, if a lot of men are like me, I think we're really torn between being there and just saying, is there anything I can do for you? What do you need? And just sort of, you know, asking all the right things. And then, but is it that, is that the most useful thing just to always keep asking that? Or is it sort of, is it sometimes helpful just to get out of the way? Well, I think both, do a bit of both, because I think both can be annoying. (laughs) You know, (laughs) can can I help you? It's like, no, I'm vomiting. It's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and the waiter's hovering a bit too much and they keep, are you enjoying your meal? Is there anything wrong with the entree? And you kind of want to go, piss off. Uh, Is it sometimes like that? That's right, yeah. (laughs) A hundred percent, yeah. And it's understanding that women just feel, well, I'm not saying every woman feel, but I talk about myself plus, you know, a lot of other women feel so irrational and so sick. The nausea is the worst nausea. It's like gastro and gastro and gastro all together. Right. It's like taking three cruise ships in one day. (laughs) That's right. That bad. And then you go to sleep and sleep is bliss because it feels like because you go to sleep and it's gone away. The minute you wake up and you think, 
oh, I don't feel sick. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's back again. So understanding, you know, when you're vomiting and, you know, helping with meals and cooking meals that don't smell bad because also <laughs> when you're pregnant, the smell, smell of meat cooking or, you know, some people don't like bananas. Some people don't like cantaloupe. Some people, you know, get the smell of... You know, I don't like the smell perfect. of cantaloupe, and I've never been pregnant. Like it's poor, oh, poor. Do you? Oh no! Yeah. I always think it smells of vomit. All those melons. Oh, or am I thinking gosh. of poor, One of them's got a very on the nose smell. But anyway, so the point is, as partners, we should find out the, th- the triggers, for want of a better term. If, if there are certain foods that set off a smell that makes the nausea worse, stop making those foods. But also saying, how can I help? Like what you've said, like how can I help? Do you want me to cook these foods? What triggers the nausea or what triggers, you know, if I'm flicking the television too many times at the station, does that annoy you? There's just, it is irrational. It's quite a good opportunity for a partner to learn their most annoying habits and and observing that they're exacerbated during the pregnancy. Oh, yeah. So you almost get a crash course in just how annoying you are as a person (laughs) and and you can work on yourself and dial all those qualities down. Absolutely, and have a bit of psychiatric care at the same time, you know, feeling, God, God, is there any, anything right with me? But it's, it's men that tend to get, or partners tend to get the um, the brunt of all the, you know, the anxiety and because we, we're like, oh, my God, I think, I think I've lost the baby and, you know, oh, my God, and I think I might be bleeding and, oh, my God. And, you know, when you're saying this to men, you know, saying that in the middle of the night just causes so much anxiety for men. You've touched um, on something really interesting there because yeah, I, I certainly experienced all of that. I wouldn't call it irrational necessarily, but definitely anxiety and, you know, paranoia that things weren't going well with the baby. If, if you know, if, if the mother felt wrong, then maybe there's a consequence for the baby's health. Mm-hmm. And I'd be really interested to get your professional advice on in those moments where your wife's having a bit of a panic attack or your partner's having a panic attack. I often just sort of, I, I try to be the, you know, the, the slightly, the, the slightly, yeah, the fixer. And, and, and yeah. mo- but I have no expertise. So I was just Googling things and I was saying, what are your symptoms? I'll Google it. I'll see if this is a common concern or common anxiety. Is it wrong to Google things to be reassuring or should should you ring a medical professional if you think yeah. your, your partner's really flipping out? Googling is really bad because sometimes you've got Marianne from Minnesota who knows nothing and that might come up in the feed. In Australia, we're very lucky to have really great helplines. In Victoria, it's the Maternal and Child Health Line where trained nurses, midwives and maternal and child health nurses are on the line and We also have the pregnancy, birth and baby line, which is an Australian government line, Australia-wide. And so you've got experts there at the end of the phone and I've worked on both and it's just, there are a lot of the calls, you know. Ring them. Um, It's their job to answer these questions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot, certainly about pregnancy, but certainly post-pregnancy, but we get a lot on pregnancy. And is it okay for the man to ring them? Like, let's say that, so if the woman's hunched over a toilet feeling like death, the the man can have a, you can do that conversation adequately with the expert. Absolutely. And that's exactly who we talk to because it's aligned with expert midwives, maternal and child health nurses, and all experienced. So you can get an answer straight away. You know, after, after doing this job, it's like your job, after doing this for so many years, you know, any question is 
answerable. And of course, the hospitals and midwives and doctors in the community are also who you should go to first rather than Google, because Google drives us crazy. I guess you can understand we all use it though, because sure. it's the first port of call just for sure. a quick answer. Sure, but I guess but it's if the, the prop- right no, well, 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 look, I guess sometimes it might be, sometimes it isn't. I mean, mm. I assume not all Googles, Mary from Minnesota, or whoever your example Marianne. was, Mary had from <laughs> Minnesota. There might be Michael from Minnesota who's excellent, and um, there may be. Yeah, but you know, in my in my experience, there's not too many other than just you know ringing people. There's certainly hospitals and local government areas have websites that the Royal Children's Hospital has the most amazing website that has fact sheets from A to Z and just everything for a child. You know, I know that's postnatal, but that is an amazing resource. So doctors' resources, hospitals' resources, all of those are really um, good. That's that's where Google is good. You know, you can Google the right people, but not... Ask a question and and you get the generic answer from Marianne or no, and, and I should stress it. We, we, when I was googling, I imagine most people are sensible enough to look at the official websites, not the not Reddit or those sort of Q and A type Ask Me not Anything really. type <laughs> sites. Um, that's really good advice because I think it, it is always a bit of a debate. Do I bother? You know, you, you don't want to be a nuisance. You know, it's that very. I think yeah. Aussies have inherited it from the Brits. We never want to cause a scene. And you, you go, oh, maybe it's 2am. I don't want to bother anyone. But you're yes. saying, no, if you're concerned, there yes. are these are services that are funded by us, by taxpayers yes. that we should use. Sure. Yeah. And also there's a lot of calls that go, oh, I know it's a silly question. Do you know what? Nothing is a silly question if it's got to do with health of a mother and baby. Mm. Nothing. You know, I've heard everything. And really they're not silly. As your partner's body begins to change and the belly grows bigger, is it really important for partners not to joke, you know, not to do those sort of cheap jokes about putting on weight and stuff? You need to be sort of conscious of that some women may be self-conscious about the changing body or does it really depend on the woman? I think every woman is and I think it's actually got worse. Chris. What do you mean? I really, well, I, as the years have gone by, I mean, I've done this you for think, 48 years. You think years. men are getting more flippant about this? No, no, no. I think women are getting more... A women's self-consciousness about <sighs> pregnancy body shape. Absolutely. Is, and is and eating disorders, to be honest, right. during pregnancy. Never seen anything like it in the last 10 years. I can remember seeing a woman who used to come in for a visit, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was the same apple. She used to come in and say, oh, I'm so hungry. It's like... No, you're starving. There's nothing of her except the baby. And I wanted to put an X on the apple because I'm sure it was the same apple. But there's a lot of um, eating issues with women in labour. And the last thing you need to know is that your, your bottom's got bigger and your bottom does get bigger because we put on fat around there so we can actually feed the babies. You know, it's a there's, there's a reason for everything. It's not just putting on weight because you know, you've let yourself go. It's because of a reason. And pregnancy, you want to eat well and eat a lot because you actually, you're feeding a baby and Mm. your body has an insatiable need for food and fluid, you know, like it's just, it's impossible to stop. If women, Um, if women know all that, why why do you think that in recent years, women are getting more self-conscious about the way they look when they're pregnant? Is that just media, like projections? Yep, totally. We had some pregnant photos done. A friend did them and 
I looked and I was like, oh, they're just so beautiful, you know. They're just the pregnant body I just think is beautiful. Yeah. But some women are really, and it comes from men, some men, they don't like the body and they don't want to have sex because they're worried about it's not the same or what, you know, all different reasons. And all these deep feelings come out from men and women during pregnancy. And it's really sad when that happens because it's just such a wonderful time and physically, you know, you feel you've just got so much energy, you know, and you feel really good most of the pregnancy, obviously. When you're not vomiting the over the toilet. <laughs> when you're not vomiting over the toilet. And, um, but, you know, when that stops, it's just fantastic, you know. And I'm not saying every woman, you know, feels so great because some women have that hyperemesis gravidarum where they vomit the whole time. But I suppose for men, it's great to say, look, you're beautiful. I'm so proud of you growing our baby and it's exciting and feeling the baby move, all of these sensations that men can share. Um, but And you probably can't say that often enough like because I, I think there are a lot of men who find pregnant women really attractive and womanly. And I, I remember loving seeing this sort of oh, new yes. version of my wife. And I know. Sort of, and, so beautiful. And so I, it's really hard for me to listen to what you're saying that, you know, some women are hating their bodies because I think I wonder if a lot of men – do actually are really liking sort of the newness yes, and the difference and find it fascinating. But maybe we just need to use those words like radiant and glowing more often. Because and we're not, and we're not. They're not just words. I, I actually thought my wife was glowing. I, I reckon a thank you doesn't go astray every now and then. Like you know, because mm -hmm. the woman's doing you know ninety nine yep. percent of the heavy, literally the heavy lifting, and you know, it's a part of a guy that's. And I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of guys. It's jealous in a way because it's sure. such. It's this amazing, unique thing that guys will never yes. know what it feels like to have a little baby human inside them. Mm -hmm. But mostly, it's just gratitude that we're not going through the nausea and the body changes and the hormonal mm -hmm. moodiness. And it's. I think just saying thank you is not a yeah. bad idea. A bit more yeah. often. Well, th that were the flowers I got after I had our son. It was like it was thank you. He's beautiful and thank you so much because, you know, you, your life changes, your, your work changes, you have to stop work for a while, you start to lactate, you know, like it doesn't just stop with pregnancy and I've seen more men being loving and thankful and just in wonderment about the birth and and especially in the birth. I think women are like, after we've had a baby, it's like... <laughs> Thank God that's out. And the absolute rawness of men in the labour ward still makes me cry because yeah. it's just, isn't it? Don't you reckon? Yeah. It's just out of out of this world incredible. It's, it's, and you'll fall you'll in love have at a, a different level, don't you think? You'll you know, never have like, a day like it, yeah. No. And and the love and respect for your partner, I, I think you, you know, it's just. It's off yeah. the charts. Yeah. Yes, it is off the charts. In terms of other things uh, partners, male partners can do to help women, I guess we, we've, we've talked about exercise before on this podcast. And so for couples that like to exercise together, whether it's playing tennis or cycling or jogging, is that a routine the couple can happily maintain? Or should the man again be a little bit mindful of easing up on vigorous physical activity as we enter the third trimester? Well, yeah, well, it all depends on, on how the woman is. I mean, some women just can't 
you know, we don't want them to exercise as hard. But yep. if you're well, yes, it's it's a great thing to sort of walk together. And, and then that carries over to after the baby's born and, you know, you're pushing the pram very proudly up the street, you know. Gee, they're heavy. No one told me that. Oh, <laughs> That's the most exercise I've ever done. Is I live in quite a hilly area and pushing baby Rose up the hills of my suburb. Oh, you poor bugger. I feel like I'm training for an ultramarathon. It's It's to just going to Woolies. Well, I can remember my son had bloody colic or something like that and and pushing the pram and I held him, you know, for like I think I walked like five kilometres. I'm like, I've got to walk back. (laughs) Um, Anyway. It sort of goes back to that issue we were talking about, the, the attitudes towards the woman's changing body and body positivity. I, I know of some guys who, you know, not judging or presupposing their motives, but I think they tried for their wives to maintain a regular fitness regime because they were worried about the post-pregnancy, post-birth body. And so they, you know, almost pushing them to a point that I wondered, is that healthy? Exactly right. And it's also to, as women, we want one one breath we're saying, like, treat us as normal. This is a normal part of the body. And then we're saying, but really, I can't go on a 10-kilometre run and I can't do this and I, I'm working every day. I do need to go to bed early and I do snore at night because there's an increased fluid <laughs> and, I, you know, make all those funny noises. So there's a balance, you know, there's a balance that we've got to look at in pregnancy and postnatal, but it's, you can only do what you can do. There are some pregnancies that there, there are complications and I've been around long enough to have seen a lot. And the things with pregnancy that if you're told to rest, we actually mean you need to rest, not go and walk for 10 kilometres. And the thing in pregnancy is that things happen, some bad things happen, they happen quickly and they're not good. Such as? Well, let's say preeclampsia or hypertension. So if you get to a point when your body is preeclamptic, so eclampsia is the actual fitting stage of preeclampsia. Eclampsia is when women have a condition which is just peculiar to pregnancy where they have high blood pressure, protein in the urine and a lot of swelling. And with preeclampsia, the only way it goes is for the baby to be delivered and the placenta to be delivered. Then the brain gets the message that this pregnancy is over and it then can remove all the fluid from the body through a very big, what we call a diuresis. And that means a woman will pass a lot of urine and that get rid of all that excess fluid. But preeclampsia in the 50s, 40s and 50s, like women died from preeclampsia and babies died too. So these days when we talk about preeclampsia or hypertension in pregnancy, which is different, two different things, and we say to rest, we actually mean go to bed and rest, not go and work, you know, a a nine-hour day because you're on the couch, completely different. So, um, you know, preeclampsia is still an issue in pregnancy. I remember one of the areas where I feel I played a, a reasonably good supportive role. Oh, Chris, you would have been the best partner. Uh, no, I, no, I think so. No, but there was one area that completely aligned with my selfish interests anyway, and that was that was the food side of things, like learning and respecting all the do's and don'ts of the pregnancy diet. Drives me crazy. So I was, the, I was like the food Nazi in restaurants. I knew the do's and don'ts better than my wife, so I kept ordering 
you know, like every restaurant's now share plates. It's no one sure. has their own meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was always the one going, oh, no, not the sashimi. <laughs> not the... And it's, I mean, I think my wife was appreciative of that. It was one thing she didn't have to worry about because she knew she had a food Nazi <laughs> alongside Fantastic. her at every, yeah. at every shop and restaurant. Yes. A taster. I mean, <laughs> but I feel, I don't know, it doesn't have to be that. But if, if men sort of pick one lane that they're really the boss of and really in charge of, is that kind of a useful thing? So that's well, I don't one. Know about food might drive people crazy, but <laughs> right. to be honest with you. But the thing with food, and again, that has changed, you know, so much over the years. The way I teach women and men and families about it during pregnancy is that to eat clean, cooked food, well cooked food. If you stick to that, you're going to be fine. Mm. Or if there's anything that you think, oh, I don't know if it's on the list. Don't eat it. Like I've had phone calls saying, I had a prawn three weeks ago. Do you think it's caused any troubles? I'm like, geez. But, you know, it sticks in your mind because there's so much anxiety around that in the community. But you're right. If, you've, if you can eat the good food, the good food, or prepare the good food or do the, what you've done, it really is a, a great help because women find that another anxiety, you know. It, like, yeah, it's because, you, you know, most people eat three times a day or so and it's just, yeah, so as and, and you kind of, it's not that hard to get your head around the, you know, what's in and what's hard. out. But it's, it's not hard. But it's every now and then a little curveball comes up. Well, the thing that the thing that we went through that I imagine is very common to most couples is that you're really obedient and you'd adhere to all oh, the yes. rules in the first trimester, probably even the second. By the third, you're getting a little bit complacent, and you get you kind of think, "Oh, we're almost at the finish line. Oh, I reckon no. I can I have some. Know. I reckon I can have some chicken from the fridge that's not heated up." <laughs> like, oh God, I don't, I don't think so. I oh think really? I, no, we did get a bit complacent in the well, third I think trimester. That's great. I think that's great. It's so good to should. get complacent. Well, I think so. Well, it's really the first 12 weeks. You know, I think everyone should be very strict. And you don't go and eat soft serve and, you know, something that's been left out in the sun for three hours. No one eats that. And that's where being sensible comes into it. Eating clean cooked food, well-cooked food, is is something to sort of keep in the, the front of your mind because the thing with public health is that when you're teaching the community about X, you've got to teach everyone. Yeah. Okay. So you can't just teach Chris about some food rules. You've got to teach everyone. but you, And everyone deals with it in a different way. Not everyone's going to follow the rules and eat the right food. They just don't. And some people go to the nth degree to the minute the baby is born and they will not go near, even physically near anything that is yes. possibly an issue. Yeah, so. no, I certainly know people like that, that, you know, yeah, whether it was soft cheeses. like we, Seriously. It, the more we read about soft cheese was that if it was made in Australia and it was going to be pasteurised, so therefore probably fine, in, oh, especially absolutely. in the third trimester. But then, but you meet people who wouldn't go near, you know, pizza that might have mozzarella on it. The anxiety is just so out of control with food. And that's the public health thing, which I understand that we have to teach everyone, but... There's the levels in the community that some people will go to this degree and eat the right foods and some people will just say, it's fine, I'll do what I want to do. Also, when it comes to putting things in your mouth, there's another thing I did, but I'm not endorsing this, it won't be for everyone, but I found it quite a useful thing to 
get closer to my partner during pregnancy and also to have empathy. And that was what something we called sobriety solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I both like a drink. We're very social mm-hmm. people. She'd obviously gone off alcohol for the full nine months. Mm-hmm. And for the first trimester, I reckon I was an asshole. <laughs> I, I kept drinking and, you know, having some big nights and coming home, staggering and all that kind of thing. And one day I just sort of thought, what are you doing? Like yes. that's, I mean, I, I, look, every couple will be different and not every guy will want to give up alcohol. But for the second two trimesters, I did because I just sort of said, look, my wife's making this extraordinary sacrifice for something we both want. Mm. I, the least I could do just as a small gesture towards empathy and solidarity is to also go without booze for the remaining two trimesters and I did and it was and it was our relationship got so much better not just because not just because I wasn't reeking of booze every Friday night (laughs) but because (laughs) I think she appreciated that you know it's not an it's not the wife this is pregnancy is not something the wife just does anymore I think you need to go through it as a couple absolutely 100% and there's nothing great about someone being drunk and you're not Believe me, my wife know, said like, she had no idea how boring I was when <laughs> she wasn't drunk with me. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. So like, yeah. or or not yeah. so funny. Yeah. Like, yes, I know. Yes, oh, I got that's no not laughs. Really funny at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, alcohol again. That's another thing that we know that again. You know, I've been around long enough to you know people are like oh one glass is enough. To now we absolutely zero zero alcohol through pregnancy and breastfeeding. Zero. And on this podcast, I'd spoke to the CEO of um, FAIR and Katerina was just, she's just fantastic. And they, you know, they're they're about promoting zero alcohol for women during pregnancy. But, you know, there's still women who have this, or men who have the information that, you know, one glass won't hurt the baby. Well, Yes, it will. We know that now that it's zero alcohol right through the pregnancy. The final sort of point I'd make, Kath, as as a man who's just been through this and who's now got a young baby daughter, is the nine months of pregnancy for a partner is about as easy as it gets, if you know what I mean. Like... Compared to <laughs> compared to having to step up once the child actually arrives, being a supportive partner during the nine months, that's sort of the easy bit. So Maybe. no man should grumble about having to be a supportive partner during the pregnancy because all the responsibility is ahead of you. This, it's not a bad time to start stepping up. And I, I kind of found it a useful dress rehearsal, for want of a better term, in terms of acclimatising towards a more responsible, selfless life. But I just want other guys to know it's... Those nine months is the easy bit. The oh, woman's yeah. t- shouldering all the tricky stuff. She's doing the vomiting. Her hormones are running wild. You're untouched by that. Mm. And so if you think those nine months are tricky, wait till the baby arrives. And also talking about the first pregnancy, right? So if you have a toddler and pregnant, right? I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, that is full on one or two children, you know, men have or partners have to step up because women just can't do, well, they, you know, they do in a lot of cases, but it's a lot of work when you've got a toddler and feeling shocking. 
Mm. Can you imagine? No, I can't. I can't. No, no, <laughs> I have one child. I think it's a very good point that during those nine months for partners to feel and be aware that there are, uh, there are a lot of emotions going through a woman's mind that maybe she may not even feel comfortable saying, you know, like it's, it's a, I can't explain the feeling. It's, it's like, I don't want to tell you I'm doing it hard and you're working hard too, but really, you know, you, you no. just got to give a bit. It, it's just not, you know, morning sickness. I mean, if you've got pelvic girdle pain, I mean, you've got bone on bone crunching and trying to walk or you've got backache, you may have varicose veins, you've got constipation, you've got heartburn. And these have been traditionally known as the minor complications of pregnancy. Put them all together and it's an amazing, bloody, shocking feeling. You know, heartburn, constipation, varicose veins, um, you know, and, and a backache all the time. And then you have to hold a, a toddler if you're if it's your second or subsequent baby, so it's just not nausea. There's there's a lot of things in pregnancy that can add to um, a woman feeling really mm. below par. Yeah. And also, Chris, I believe these days women feel like they have to work a lot longer, and they work so much longer and harder because it's like. Pregnancy, you should be fine. You know, we're all equal. We, we want this equality. So you're pregnant, you're carrying the kid. Come on, you've got to work till you're 37 weeks. Mm. Well, it's re very hard for women to do that. Very, very hard. And um, I think, what, you know, if one thing the virus, the coronavirus did for women is that they could stay at home yeah. and, and work and, and at least rest because, you know, just getting in through public transport or working or sitting at a desk and up and down it's very, very uncomfortable in pregnancy. No, absolutely. Kath, as always, it's it's been a window of wisdom. Thank you for holding our hand through this often perplexing journey and shining a bit of uh, a bit of light and understanding on it. Join us again in the next episode where we'll be taking a look at birthing options, all the many ways you can bring a child into the world. Uh, that's next time on another episode of Birth Baby and Beyond. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kat. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolic.